one more to go until episode 70 of the Rutgers Scoutcast. I'm your host, Sam Hellman, and it is, well, finally, training camp has come back to Piscataway. There's real football going on for the first time since the Rutgers spring game, and this is a little more real than that because it is really preparing for a season. We're less than a month away from that war before the shore, whatever we're calling it, against UW at home. And Rutgers football is back. Training camp is back. Last week when you listened to me and Brian Doan, we talked about the freshman reporting, getting ready for that first day of practice. But as you listen to this, we're a weekend. We're a week's worth of coverage in. I hope you've enjoyed what we have over at scarletreport.com. You've heard on this podcast some teases a lot more if you're a member over on Scarlet Report about getting a non-traditional guy into the program, and that was Trey Avery. We broke the story on Saturday morning. Coach Chris Ash gave us some comments talking about it and how the, uh, the man formerly known as Kareem Felder, the former Ohio State commit, helped give them some even better depth at corner. I'll tell you what. They got some good-looking corners next year, regardless of Blasson Austin coming back or not. Speaking of Blasson Austin, you're going to hear from him in the body of the show. He and Sebastian Joseph are our interview subjects this week. After we hear from the pair of Scarlet Knights that helped represent the program in Chicago, Brian Fonseca is back for the news. Brian, as you guys I would think know by now, has joined the Scarlet Report team for the fall semester. He is a Rutgers University senior. He is our editorial intern. And Brian was with me on Monday for day one. He'll be back with me again as you're listening to this for a big padded practice on Friday. Brian and I are going to offer some of our thoughts in the news on the first week of training camp, some of the position battles, and whatever else we get into. We'll, we'll see how it goes when Brian stops by to record that part of the episode. So last year... Our most listened to episode, well, there were two. Chris Carlin spent an hour with me, and that, I think, was our most listened to episode of all time. But the other one was when Brian Doan and I broke down the first depth chart of training camp. People did not like that episode because we hammered them. We were very critical of depth, talking about guys like Greg Jones, who was a starting outside linebacker as, as a walk-on converted running back. Obviously, the quarterback concerns were there and a, a bunch of other issues. Cornerback was a much bigger concern last year because Blasson Austin and Isaiah Wharton were both coming off kind of rough transitions into the new coaching staff. I think we'll probably be a little bit more positive when we break down that training camp depth chart this year, but that is going to be likely next week when Brian Doan rejoins the show. Hopefully he had a good vacation, but you guys should make sure to tweet and Facebook and all that other stuff at him and and do as much as you can to ruin it. So we will do our annual depth chart review probably next week. Also next week we will probably have some discussion regarding the Marco Battaglia Training Football Complex, which has its grand opening this weekend. I'm not sure if at the time of this airs if any tickets are still available, but Even if you weren't able to register, I'm sure you can still stop by that day and get a look. I think there's a soccer scrimmage that day. Like, This place is worth worth driving past. Maybe not when you're in a hurry to get somewhere, because I'll tell you what, 
I felt like I felt like office space when I was driving to work on Monday. The way it works is we're on Livingston in the morning watching practice, and then we go do our interviews and our work at the Hale Center in the afternoon. And just the absurd traffic sitting in with all the construction and finishing they're doing with this complex, I I, uh, I felt like office space driving to work just trying to get through all that construction. So if you do want to go check it out, maybe do it when you're not in a hurry. But everything should be done and all set this weekend, and we'll talk about that next week. Obviously, that came via a massive donation from Jeff and Amy Towers, the latest in facilities. It was, of course, in the headlines this week. Uh, Maybe it would have been nice if people could find a little bit more to write about the actual team than writing the same facility story that has been written for three years. But some of that's on Rutgers for the lack of people that we're allowed to talk after training camp. Anyway, that's just kind of what you can expect coming up the rest of the month. Dorian Miller will be my guest next week on the show. Dorian Miller, he's he's a future podcaster in some capacity, I'll tell you that. But this week, we're going to hear from, in order, Bus on Austin, Sebastian Joseph, who's on the show for the second time, then Brian Fonseca, who's on the show for the second time, and then we're going to open up the Rutgers Scout cast mailbag and go home. Here's Blesson Austin. I'm excited to have Bless on Austin on the podcast, joining me live from Big Ten Media Day. Are you enjoying being the New York guy in Chicago at all? Um, definitely. Chicago is similar to New York City, so I'm having fun here. And the pizza, I'm sure, is very similar to what you grew up with, right? Yeah, definitely. That. Uh, I forgot the, the place that we went to, but the deep dish pizza, was, it was off the charts. What's your favorite part about doing this? I mean, this... You're a corner, so the spotlight's always on you, but to do it here and represent Rutgers, represent your hometown and everything like that. Um, the biggest thing is uh, just being here with guys from other schools, you know, just seeing the guys that you're playing against, you know, seeing the dudes that represent the schools they're coming from, so that's kind of cool. Are you competitive as far as being best dressed, being you know, the best interview? Is Does this on-field competition carry over to this kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. I always want to make sure I'm best dressed. That's something I take pride in. Uh, how about getting to do this with Dwayne Miller and Sebastian Joseph? The three of you guys are huge pieces to the team. This yeah, year. Um, that's real cool. You know, just building my brotherhood over over this trip with those guys. So you know, it's a cool experience. I feel like you're a guy that's developed a lot under Coach Ash. He's known for his DBs. You know, Eli Apple, and you go down the list. But do you feel like he and his assistants have helped take you to another level at all? Yeah, definitely. You know, they do a great job coaching and. Just teaching each one of us in my um, unit, I'm talking about each one of us the tools to be successful. They'll give us some coaching tips and what we do is instill about doing what we call the hunt, putting in the extra work. Where are you getting better now? Like, There's certain things you improve as a freshman. By the time you're this age, where are you improving yourself? Um, your IQ, understanding situations, understanding what offensive corners is trying to do in certain situations of the game. How much do you think it helps you? I still remember watching you in high school when you were a quarterback. How much does that help you now that you're a full-time corner? Do you feel like you're more knowledgeable? Is there any advantage to being a high school quarterback? Yeah, definitely. It goes back to the situations I was talking about, you know, what teams want to do when it's third and one compared to when it's third and long. And then uh, also with passing concepts, you know, each team, each each offensive coordinator has passing concepts that they like to run. you got to know who they're reading, and that's when you bait quarterbacks into throwing the ball your way. I remember when, when Logan Ryan was a corner at Rutgers, he was a quarterback in high school as well. He'd, yeah. always, he'd always maybe make a little push, hey, you got to play for me in the playbook. You miss quarterback at all? Um, nah, nah. Or is that nah, maybe nah. just a Miles Nash thing? Yeah, that, <laughs> that might be a Miles Nash thing. I don't miss it at all. Uh, what, uh, 
I guess how often do you think you're going to hear the NFL question today? How uh, often have you heard it already? Uh, I haven't heard it yet. I'm not sure. I'm not really thinking about that at this moment. You're going to be saying that a lot this year. How are you enjoying the spotlight that comes with being a someone that's considered a prospect? Um, I enjoy it. You know, I've tried to put myself in this position from when I was younger, and that's why I made the decision to play corner other than trying to play QB. You know, so to, to be in this position now, this is truly a blessing. How much would you say people are at Rutgers are preparing you for whatever, whenever it is, you know, whether it's next year, 2018, whatever, 2019, when it, you know, you're learning about nutrition, you're learning about yeah. lifting, you're learning about the education, life after football. It's more than just Coach Ash that's preparing you. Yeah. Um, it's very beneficial because now we're not only talking about football, we're talking about life after the game, as you said. For us, nutrition, you know, the amount of knowledge I retain from our nutritionists is, is off the charts. I mean, and then going back to the life after the game, the amount of speakers we was able to have come speak to us, you know, and just shedding knowledge on us, I mean, it's very beneficial and can help you later on in life. I look at the secondary and on paper, you're very experienced secondary, you have some depth. Is there anything that stands out to you when you look at this secondary issue? Um, definitely the, the cohesiveness of, of, our, of our secondary, you know, just being together for so long and still understanding, even though we have the experience on our belt, that we still have room for improvement. You know, it's still things that we do. We, we go back from tapes in the past and still look at it and be like, oh, I should have did this better. And, you know, if you're able to look at yourself on tape and spot what you need to improve on, that's a, that's a big step. What do you like about Coach Ash's defense? There's so much pressure on the corners in this defense. Um, I don't feel the pressure at all, you know. What I like about it is it's a, it's a defense that you, you have to be skilled for. You know, it don't take anybody to just come in and play, you know, and, and get on the field. You got to be skilled. You got to have great technique. You got to know what you're doing. You got to have great IQ to be on the field. How much trust do you have to have in Isaiah Wharton, David Hayes, the safeties? You know, you have your job, but if they're not doing theirs, the play doesn't work. Yeah, you got to have an immense amount of trust in your guys, especially the ones in your unit. You got to understand that, hey, God forbid I go down, this guy can, you know, back me up and do what he has to do and hold his own. We've seen guys like you and Isaiah make plays for years now. Who's someone that fans haven't seen yet? Who do you think you'd be Damon Hayes. Damon Hayes. I mean, the young buck, he's good. Fans go see soon. I ask the same three questions at the end of every podcast, no matter who it is. Who would you say is your favorite Rutgers football player, whether it's now or someone you watched before you came? Janarian Grant. <laughs> That's my dude right there. I mean, I love watching him make plays. I love watching him make them certain cuts. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know how you're doing that. The fact that he could cut. <laughs> Without taking no extra steps, is, is crazy to me. At least you only have to go against them in practice and not games. Yeah. Uh, second question, what's your favorite memory when you think about your time at Rutgers? Um, my favorite memory? Uh, that's a hard question. My favorite memory is probably when I caught the pick, pick six versus Wisconsin. That might be my favorite memory. A lot of people like the pick six. Yeah. Uh, if you get to have one more meal at Rutgers on campus, one of the restaurants, where yeah. would you go and what would you order? Probably Steakhouse 85. Probably just steak, mashed potatoes, beans. Yeah, it's something simple. Steak is one of my favorite foods. So, I mean, anywhere I get a steak or some wings, I mean, that's it. That's the nail in the coffin right there. All right, live from Chicago. Yeah. Sebastian Joseph. Yes, sir. What are you doing here? Uh, you know, we're here um, uh, you know, to represent Rutgers University. We're here to represent the team and, uh, you know, show everyone the Big Ten uh, what we're about this season. You know, um, uh, show them the difference between this year and last year and just represent, brand our team and network. 
you being a guy, you know, from Stroudsburg, PA, mm-hmm. five years ago, I yeah. remember ha- hanging out in that <laughs> locker room. Yeah. Did you see yourself on this stage five years from your high school commitment? Uh, to be honest, no. Not, not here as in Rutgers, but actually I was t- it's funny that you said that. I was talking to Bless last night, and I was like, um, it's funny that I'm – it's a blessing. It's funny that I'm here because I remember when I was a freshman, uh, I was always – I was always, uh, that was my goal, you know, to go, sure. to, go to events like these and, uh, you know, um, represent Rutgers and stuff like that and, you know, be that uh, vocal spo- um, spokesman for the for the university. So, um, you know, it's really a dream come true for me and um, obviously I have other other uh, um, uh, dreams for this program as well. So um, uh, it doesn't stop there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I can't tell. Are you? You're a guy that you did plays in high school. Mm-hmm. You love doing this media stuff. You want to get into media when yeah. football's over. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're you're a defensive tackle. So on the field, you're not the guy that gets all the stats and all the attention. Yeah. Do, do you like the spotlight or do you not like it? Because I didn't um, like it. Uh, honestly, yeah. You know, I'm the type of guy. I'm the type of guy that uh, I don't mind the spotlight at all. I, you know, I'll, I'll embrace it if it's given to me. But um, uh, I don't need it. You know, um, and uh, correction. Defensive nose. I get double teamed every play. Yeah, less stats. I get double teamed every play, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. Like, they, they look at it as if I'm like a, I'm a three technique, and like I'm one on one every play, which isn't the case at all. I get no. double teamed every play. So, I'm, so thank you. So thank you. Plays. plays exactly. Thank you. So at least someone actually recognizes it, because um, uh, usually people don't. But um, uh, yeah, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me, you know. As long as the team, whatever, whatever I have to do to help the team win, I'll do. Because um, that's who I am. This is my nature. Did you do the Chicago pizza thing? Yes, I did. Uh, Chicago pizza it was great. Dip dish, dip dish pizza. It was. Um, it was great, and uh, I suggest that everyone try it. And yeah, it was a great experience. But it's not. Uh, it's not Rutgers pizza, right? Nah, not Krispies. Not Krispies oh, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> new to the yard. Right? Yeah, new to the I yard, see, man. I'm, I'm a PJ's guy. Are you? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I like PJ's. PJ's uh, Chicken Bacon Ranch. Solid, solid. Solid pick. So I think this is a cool opportunity for you specifically to come mm-hmm. out here because, like we said, we've said before, you want to be a media guy. Mm-hmm. You studied with Rutgers greats like yes. Professor Steve Miller. Yes, the man. Shout out to Stephen Miller. <laughs> um, what kind of opportunity is it for here? I know that you're getting involved in things like photo blogging. I think you have a separate Twitter for mm-hmm. people if they want to follow that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. What are you doing out here and why are you so into that now? Oh, you know, um, uh, it actually—it was actually quite funny. Um, last year, I kind of had like an epiphany. I realized I've been to all these places, right? That uh, and football has blessed me with such an opportunity to see all these different places and 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 go all over the world and whatnot. And uh, one day, I was like, you know, what? I have nothing to show my kids for it. I was like, the heck. I was like, oh, in the world? So um, I was like, you know, you know what? I want a camera. So I, I got a camera. Then I took photojournalism, and I just fell in love with it, you know. Um, as a class, I took that class, and I just fell in love with it. And, um, uh, and I just, I don't know, it just it brings me at home, and I feel like it, it's also going to help my rep- repertoire as a, as, a, um, as a reporter, you know. Because that's where I want to be. I want to be a, eventually I want to be like a broadcasting reporter uh, on live, uh, live talent. And I think um, just being well-rounded, you know help and broaden my horizons and whatnot. So, yeah, I fell in love with it. So it's, it's a fun thing to do. Where can people find that stuff and, and what, what can they expect from you on that page? I'm sure there's a ton of Rutgers okay. fans that just want to see everything Rutgers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so my Instagram is at photos by bash, all, all one. No, no underscore, it's just photos by bash. Simple. And uh, so, is my, so is my Twitter. So, um, you know, if you want to check it out, 
you know, check it out. Tell me how you, uh, what you think, you know, and yeah. For those listening, we'll have that stuff tagged if you just, so for people that aren't good at the internet, you just yeah. click my tweet and you'll see his tags and you click follow and that's it. Yeah. And photos by Sebastian Joseph. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of camera you got? Uh, Nikon, uh, Nikon 3400. Nice uh, little NCAA stipend gift. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people have spent money on worse things with that stipend. Yeah, for sure. Last question. What is going to be your message? People will have seen it by the time this mm-hmm. podcast drops. What's the message that you're hitting home with the media here? You know, you're not just talking to me and NJ.com. Mm-hmm. You're talking to everybody. What's your message to them going to be? Um, this is a different team from last year. You've improved. And hope you guys are ready to see all right, I'm ready. Thanks, Sebastian. All right, welcome back to the Rutgers Scoutcast. Thanks to the pair of Scarlet Knights that joined the program this week. Blisson Austin, first time on the show, had a lot of fun hanging out with him. He's not a guy that I spent a lot of time with before he came to this team, and he's not a guy that I got to talk to a lot when he was an underclassman because, frankly, he wasn't available that much. Freshmen were pretty restricted when he was playing as a true freshman. Uh, Sebastian Joseph, everyone knows well, and now we welcome back another returning guest for the news, Brian Fonseca. What's up? Hey, Sam. How are you doing? Glad to be back. So you joined me at Rutgers practice, technically practice number one, but I guess it's practice number three because they had a initiation period over the weekend with the freshmen and the newcomers, but Monday was the first practice where the veterans took the field. It was your first practice since you've made the transition from the Targum to Scarlet Report and the Scout and the CBS team. Anything that stand out to you about that practice? Well, I mean, the obvious question mark entering training camp was the quarterback battle, so I'll kind of skirt away from that because that's what everyone else is really talking about. One thing that really stood out to me was uh, there was a drill we saw where the tight ends were working with the quarterbacks and catching passes, and that's one of the bigger elements of Jerry Kill's new offense into this team that I'm curious to see. Jerome Washington took most of the first team reps, so he looks like the favorite in that position. Miles Nash looked pretty decent as well. Brooklyn looked pretty good for a freshman as well. So that battle is probably the most interesting in my perspective. The way that Chris Ash talks about tight end, you get a feeling that they're pretty all in on Jerome Washington, and we'll see who else makes it to the field. But if Washington can keep himself healthy, I expect him to play. I did enjoy watching the quarterbacks because you get to see that, yes, there are still a lot of similarities from last year's offense. I know people don't like hearing that. I know people think Jerry Kill's going to come in and magically this is a totally different offense, but it's still the same ideas. Drew Marringer had them running no huddle in practice. So did Jerry Kill. Literally first 11-on-11 drill of the entire camp was no huddle. They're still doing read option. They're still bootlegging the quarterbacks. Even guys like Kyle Bolin that are not known for their mobility are moving. It was good to see all of that. The wide receivers would have popped out to me too. The fact that the first thing I saw when I walked onto that field that caught my eye was seeing number two at wide receiver running around in the green jersey. Amir Mitchell tore his ACL, had surgery less than six months ago. He, he's not full go, but he's not wearing a brace. So I'm actually starting to believe Chris Ash when he says they're going to have him in action at some point this season. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Uh, kind of on the same vein with the, an injury and still reporting to training camp was, was Zach Allen. Uh, he's still in the mix in the quarterback battle, I guess you could say, based on what you know, Ashton Killoff said. But I just admire him for the fact that he forewent surgery just to be able to participate in the training camp. And 
while he is technically in the quarterback battle, it's unlikely we'll see him start a game this season. But I, it's admirable his will and want to play for this team and be a part of this group as uh, they enter training camp in his last season, likely of ever playing football. So I thought that was uh, interesting to see him play. I don't know if it's going to translate to the microphones, but there's a massive thunderstorm going on. Rutgers practice a little bit in the storms on Wednesday. <laughs> Part of the advantage to this new practice facility is the turf and the ability to absorb that water because anyone that's ever, I don't know, been to Bainton Field or if you were in the marching band and you practiced on those grass fields, it is a mess on Livingston. So I'm glad for Rutgers that they're not going to have to do that much longer. I'm not surprised at all that the practice facility kind of dominated the media questions during week one. I also wasn't surprised to see the amount of people that came out. I think NJ.com had six people covering practice. Uh, there was three TV stations there. Now, I don't think we're going to see a lot of those people the rest of spring, but there is interest in Jerry Kill. I think there's also some disappointment in a bunch of no thank yous to all the quarterbacks that we wanted to talk to. Yeah, I really didn't understand why they wouldn't put out you know, at least Kyle Boland to talk. Uh, he's the guy that I think everyone wanted to hear from. I'm assuming as she's strategy, uh, I'm not going to speculate on that. <laughs> I'll speculate. Jerry Kill, it's up to him who talks and who doesn't. And he only wanted Gio Rochino to talk. And, you know, whatever. Uh, Jerry Kill hasn't been in this market long. But I think that people saw the result was everyone else decided to write about how bad last year was instead. People hold a grudge when they get told no. I mean, we're not doing that at Scarlet Report. We focused on some other things, but when you limit options, sometimes people get mad and start taking shots. It's a give and take on both sides. Also, I don't think Rutgers cares about that at all. Rutgers just, what he said about Chris Ash, he just wants to coach football and he wants to fix this program. And I don't think he cares about the, the headlines. All right, so I think that fan reaction-wise, Brian, a lot of people were most interested in what's going on at running back right now. There's not a big difference from spring other than you have the guys actually in the program now that we've talked about competing for playing time. Gus Edwards looked just as good as I expected him to look, and he's the second team running back right now. Raheem Blackshear, they were all in on this kid, and so is Michigan State. It tells you how good he is out of Archbishop Wood. And he got some early opportunities as well. Uh, Robert Martin's a little beat up. Josh Hicks is still there, but fighting his way back as a guy that lost a lot of playing time last year because he wasn't buying into what they wanted. And then maybe, I don't know about you, Brian, but the one thing that probably did surprise me was seeing Trace Need get that first rep. I guess it's logical since Robert Martin is banged up, but... I'm very impressed by the way Trace Need is staying so high on the depth chart because on the field in games last year, you didn't see it. Yeah, Trace Need got a lot of reps in during the first practice that we saw, or at least the window of practice that we saw, and I also was pretty surprised with that. He looked pretty good. When we talked to Jerry Kill after practice, he said that what, he's wanting, what he wants to do with this room depends on what he gets out of, um, out of the players, and at the very least right now, it looks like he has a lot of depth, a lot of options to work with. Robert Martin, as you said, was banged up wearing a green jersey, so he didn't get as much of a look as, as he would if he were healthy. But the one nugget Jerry Kill mentioned was needing a third down back. He said that's something he believes his team needs, and you can see, just based off his body, that Gus Edwards is the prototypical guy for that. He's big, he looks strong. Robert Martin, 
may even be an option with that too, but it looks like Gus, Gus Edwards will be that guy. Uh, but as far as the position, who's starting and the rotation, I think as of right now, it's, it's wide open. Yeah, I don't know what I, – I, I found the, the third down back comment interesting. Every team wants one of those. It kind of depends on your philosophy, though. And Jerry Kill did not make this clear. Are you looking for a third down back for third and one? In which case, yeah, you give it to Gus Edwards behind a fullback, too tight formation. Or are you looking for that third down back when it's a clear passing down? That's where you need Justin Goodwin. you got to find someone like that and hopefully a more Big Ten caliber version where you can make plays out of the backfield and you know your pass protection assignments. Rutgers is not a good enough team on the offensive line that you can forego a pass-protecting running back. You need someone to pick up a blitz on third down. So we'll see. I don't know I don't know what he meant because if you're talking short yardage, yeah, sure, give it to Gus Edwards. Why not? The other thing is we'll see what they do with fullbacks. I, I've really I've been all about Brendan DeVera for a year and a half now. That hasn't changed. I'm going to ask you the same thing, Brian, but if I'm, if I'm Rutgers, here's what I would look for at running back. I think that – I think that Robert Martin and Gus Edwards are the top two guys, and it's pretty clear. So those are the guys I'm going to ride. I would consider probably Blackshear and Trace Need in third down roles because they can both they both have experience as receivers. Blackshear was a wide receiver at Archbishop Wood for Anthony Russo, who people remember and is now at Temple. Those are the the four that I like most. I think Charles Norway is still one more year away, but he's very athletic. And Josh Hicks, it's. It's hard for me to, to bet for or against him. I just I don't know what to expect from him. We'll see what Rutgers can get out of him, but I'm not I'm not planning for him to have a massive season. So for me, the those four guys are the ones that I like. How about you? I, I pretty much agree with that. Um, I'm not going to speculate on Josh Hicks, just like you. I mean, I, I'm not sure what Rutgers will get out of him, but I agree that Robert Martin and Gus Edwards are far and away uh, the favorites to, to get the most the most touches. I'm interested to see if they will be running one running back per series and switching off per series or if they'll kind of go in between uh, first downs, switching between Gus and Robert and, and Trey, uh, depending on the situation. Um, I think Trey Snead might even sneak in with, with in the mix with Robert Martin and Gus Edwards based off this first practice, but um, yeah, it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what, what Jerry Kill does with that. My hope is that we don't get the I guess it was, I think it was year two in Kyle Flood's tenure. This was before your time, but it was literally a formula of each running back. It didn't matter how well they did the series before. It was, oh, well, this is Josh Hicks's series. This is Justin Goodwin's series. That drove me nuts. You know, if you find a guy that's hot, let him keep running people over. Then you have another fresh guy for the end. Uh, But again, running back is such a rotational position. I don't care who they name the starter. They're going to play four or five of them. Wrapping up the news here, Sam Hellman and Brian Fonseca of the Scarlet Report team, and it is time for the Rutgers, Rutgers Scout Cast Prospect Spotlight. And this week, the spotlight is on a man of many names, the newest addition to the program that we reported last week, last Saturday, teased at on the podcast. That is Trey Avery. He's a cornerback from Baltimore, from Friendship Collegiate, I want to say. He spent a year at Toledo. He was committed to Ohio State when Chris Ash recruited him personally as the defensive coordinator. Back then, he was known as Kareem Felder. I'm also told there are some people that call him Marlo Braxton. Right now, we're going to go with Trey Avery. We'll see how that changes, and we'll, we'll see what Chris Ash calls him in press conferences moving forward as well. 
Rutgers picked up Trey Avery. He's a late scholarship addition, but this is an example of how in 2017 you can still keep things a secret in recruiting. You can still hide kids from other schools. You find something and you get it done, and that's what they did here because Avery had decided to transfer from Toledo in early June, I want to say maybe even May, his name did not come out anywhere until I wrote about him last Saturday. So you're talking about two months. Rutgers kept him quiet, and Rutgers gets a kid that Ohio State wanted to play corner. Good for the future. Yeah, and this isn't just this isn't just some some transfer. This kid coming out of uh, of high school had some really good offers. I believe his list included Alabama. He criticized wanted him at Ohio State, and academics got in the way of him. You know, getting to a school like that, he ended up at Toledo, but. This is a guy who can really help the program step in uh, next season, given that he gets all that strained out. You know, the talks of Bus on Austin, perhaps leaving the program after the season, uh, he can step right in and fill that hole. You're right about Austin, and we'll see, you know, it's what happens if he gets hurt, what happens if he gets burned in three straight games, or what happens if he decides that he really wants to get that degree, but... I think it's a fair projection to see him as an NFL prospect, and you heard Bless talk about that earlier in the show. But, I mean, we're talking about 2018, worst-case scenario. You've got a junior Damon Hayes, a fifth-year senior Isaiah Wharton. Then you're bringing in Trey Avery. Juwan Briscoe is a part of this program. I know that he's not in camp right now. They hope to have him back soon. But let's say... Let's say Briscoe, everything works out fine, and he's on the roster next year. That's a that's a, a legitimate Big Ten East group of corners with Wharton, Briscoe, Avery, and Damon Hayes. And that's not even starting to talk about what they've done in recruiting with corners where you have Tim Barrow playing there. We'll see if Edwin Lopez stays there. You have some good commitments at corner, Kasson Abraham, Avery Young, Jarrett Paul. They're finally starting to rebuild this position. Cornerback was a punchline at Rutgers forever. Going back to the whole arrest crime syndicate issues of Kyle Flood. I mean, think about Nadir Barnwell and Dre Boggs and Darian Daly. You guys remember all these guys. We're talking about at Washington State, I think, three seasons ago, where your starting corners are running back Justin Goodwin and... I mean, Anthony Chaffee had to play corner. You had Bless on Austin was playing corner within like five minutes of enrollment. Now they can actually start to develop guys. Yeah, and this secondary already took a big step last season, as I wrote about last week. They went from one of the bottom 10 teams in the country in pass defense to a top 20 team. I think they finished 18th. So they took big steps under Chris Ash, who has a reputation of being sort of a guru with the secondary. And with the depth that Sam just talked about, this is going to be a position of strength with this program for, for a, few, a few years running now based on what they have at their disposal. Well, I'll be the, uh, the pessimist with the, you know, it's easier to put up good pass defense numbers when you're giving up 400 yards a game on the ground and can't stop anyone with walk-on linebackers. But you're right, they did play better last year, and I expect corner to be a relative strength of the team this year. I think it's the best group of corners Rutgers has assembled since – Logan Ryan, Marcus Cooper, and Brandon Jones. Uh, with that, that's the end of the news this week. We're about to transition into the Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag, but before we sign out and send Brian on his way, where can people find your content, and uh, how are you enjoying your first week? 
Well, as I mentioned last time I was on the podcast, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian F with four N's, B-R-I-A-N-N-N-N-F. Just keep trying. I promise it's there. A lot of people have issue finding it. You can find me there. And you can find all my uh, content on Scarlet Report. Uh, here working with Sam. First week was pretty good. Uh, learning a lot of things about writing that I didn't realize, adjusting to the style Sam wants. But, uh, <laughs> but it's been good. I've, uh, I've been enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to uh, this week and, and beyond. And welcome into the Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag this week. Sam Hellman, publisher at Scarlet Report, going solo yet again. I asked for your questions, and you came through with some pretty good ones. The way that this works, if you're new to the show or for some reason you forgot, send me your questions. We do one on-topic Rutgers question and one off-topic fun question every week. On-topic, it's a chance for you to ask questions that translate better to an audio format than maybe a 140-character tweet or an article. This allows me to explain something a little bit differently in the podcast format. Off-topic is a chance to get to know me or guests that join us for the Q&As, get to know us a little better and have a little fun because podcasting is fun for me. The on-topic question this week came from our premium message boards. Again, you guys, our members, always get priority when it comes to the mailbag, the podcast, and everything at Scarlet Report. The question is from J. Cam Law, who asks, How similar is Ash to Shiano? They both seem to be hardworking, disciplined coaches with reserved personality. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of similarities, not to mention that both of them are defensive coordinators at Ohio State on the resume. Both of them took Rutgers as their first job, and both of them came in with massive rebuilds. Uh, the first difference that comes to mind personality. I can see how you say they have some similar personality traits, but Greg Schiano, to me, and I, I covered Schiano from 2007 until he left for Tampa, and I've covered Chris Ash for a year and change now. Actually, it's approaching two years because he took the job in December. Personality, they're different. Greg Schiano is a lot different when you turn off the microphones and you put your pen and paper down. He's a lot different than he is when he has to be quote-unquote on for the media. Chris Ash is the exact same person pretty much at all times. He has that dry sense of humor, but he comes off as all business-like. Chris Ash on the record is exactly what Chris Ash is off the record. So what you guys see on camera in game days and meetings in our interview on the Rutgers Scoutcast last week, that's exactly what Chris Ash has been to me every time we go off the record or we're chit-chatting or we run into each other at a booster event or something. He's the same guy. Whereas Shiano, he always had that salesman mode on doing interviews, and then when you're off the record with him, he's, he's very different. Not to say that he's disingenuous when speaking to the media, but he was just a different guy. Like we would try and sit down as a group of writers or one-on-one every couple months to hash out any issues or just to chat. And he's very different. So that's a difference for me is Chris Ash is a lot more consistent in his personality, whereas Shiano can be a little bit different when the cameras are off. There's a lot of similarities though. They're both, most importantly, they're both very respected defensive minds that come from a defensive back mentality where Chris Ash had some more Big Ten kind of mentors 
Well, you know what? They both did because Greg Schiano comes from that Joe Paterno tree and then he went down to Miami where he made a name for himself. Uh, another difference, and I think this is a positive for Chris Ash, another difference is that Chris Ash seems like less of a control freak, which was the common criticism for Schiano both at Rutgers and in Tampa. Now, from everything I understand, Schiano has tempered that now that he's back in the college ranks working for Urban Meyer, but... I tell you what, I don't see Greg Schiano hiring someone like Jerry Kill year two of his Rutgers rebuild. I think Greg Schiano wanted more control over the entire program, whereas Chris Ash, Chris Ash has his vision for the offense, for the defense, for the program, but he trusts his assistants to get their share of the work done. He lets Jay Neiman call the plays defensively, even though Chris Ash himself is an excellent defensive coordinator. Just look on his trophy case. Uh, same thing offensively where he said, hey, Coach Marringer, Coach Kill, here's what I like. Go get it done. So that's a difference to me. I think Chris Ash is more willing to delegate than Shiano was early on. I mean, that's about it. I would say Shiano came into a very different kind of rebuild than Ash. Shiano came into a place where there was no expectations, a weaker strength of schedule, and a fan base that just didn't care at all, whereas Chris Ash is coming in to fix different kinds of problems like arrests and NCAA investigations and trying to win back a fan base that maybe uh, was lost over the last few years. Thanks for the question. And going off topic this week, Brian Doan isn't here, which means I can have a little bit more fun with this. Uh, he is a little too clueless in pop culture realms. Not to say that I'm Mr. Know-it-all when it comes to the entertainment news, but I've at least heard of The Walking Dead before, which I don't think Brian knew what it was when I tried to explain to him a couple of weeks ago. So the question this week came via private message from Josh. Josh asks, it's a two-part question. One, who is your favorite superhero? Two, who do you want to seize the Iron Throne? All right, so the first part, I guarantee you Brian's answer would be Superman because he's a boring frontrunner. Brian Doan, not Brian Fonseca. I don't know who Fonseca's favorite superhero is. My favorite superhero, I'm a huge X-Men fan. I, I, that was my favorite cartoon growing up. I even had some comics, and I wasn't a big comic guy. Uh, my favorite of the X-Men, I mean, probably Wolverine, but Nightcrawler was really cool. I really liked Gambit. I liked Morph. But yeah, I guess I'll say Wolverine to answer your question. And who do I want to seize the Iron Throne? This is a Game of Thrones question, so spoiler alert if you're behind for some reason. I would like to see, I'm a huge Peter Baelish guy, but he's got no shot. I would love it if they ended the show with the White Walkers winning. I think it would be hilarious if what Jon Snow recently, the recent promo Jon Snow cut where he said, you know, we're so worried about what's going on in the South that we're going to get slammed by the White Walkers and the Night King. I would love that. That would be hilarious. Realistically, though, I, I think that it is a Targaryen's throne to lose. But great show. Any Game of Thrones questions anytime, hit me up. Oh, also, since we're off topic, uh, I got tricked into pre-ordering Madden this year. So if you want to play with me on Xbox One once Madden comes out at the end of the month, hit me up. That was the Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag for the week. Actually, you know what? Let's just close out the show right now. That was the show for the week. Thank you to our two football guests and our... Intern guest for joining the show this week. 
Brian Doan should be back next week. I believe Monday is his triumphant return from vacation. Man, am I jealous. I wish I could turn my phone off for a week. I haven't ever been able to do that, and I don't see myself being able to do that anytime soon. But that's good for you guys because I'm not going anywhere anytime. There are, really are no vacations when you're running the RutgersScarletReport.com. I am also the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast. Thanks for listening.